Hello, guests and ghouls, and welcome to Quest Friends Hereafter, an improvised fiction podcast using the Under the Neighborhood role-playing system. I am Kyle, he, him, and today I, my four best friends, and some dice are going to tell you a story about camping in a world where those ghostly campfire stories are dreadfully real. Hello, I am Ari, she, her, and I play Aurelio Enrique Quique, uh, for short, Hueso Kanaka, the opportunist who adapts who is he, him. I am Emily, my pronouns are they, them, and I play Irene Hawthorne, the necromon trainer who overextends, and her pronouns are she, her, and Kyle got me sick. <laughs> Is this true, Kyle? I was going to wait till everyone introduced themselves. Screw you. It's not COVID. It's just a cold, but also what a cold it has been. What a cold it has been. <coughs> you should go to the doctor for that. <laughs> well, I'm feeling better now. Okay. Emily's parents said we shouldn't go yet. Okay. Said it's not It's not yet time. Okay. Um, they said keep an eye on it, but give it a little longer just because it puts us at risk for other, like, actual COVID and stuff. They are doctors, so they're okay to say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay for them to say don't go to the hospital for this. Uh, who are we on now? I think we're on to Tom. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think it, I think it is me indeed. My name is Tom. My pronouns are he, him, and I am playing Hilda Mishkevich, the guardian who plays pranks, and her pronouns are she, her. Did I, did I fuck something up immensely? No, this is, this is just me getting ready for Hallie. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I feel like there's oh. always this pause after we introduce that Kyle does, and it's like, did I say something wrong? No, it's always me waiting for the next person. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I actually edited- It's okay. it's okay. I edited the last time we fucked up introductions a lot. I remember it because <laughs> there was like a lot of thought people were putting into theirs. And I know, I think Ari and Emily were the two who got it right. And I know one of them had the put an extreme amount of mental effort into making I think sure that they was got me. it right. I was going to say, I think that was me. So I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that Hallie went last. And I think it was the standard where she thought she got it. But I think she missed Sparky's pronouns Whoa. or something. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. My name's Hallie, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Sparky Malarkey, the intuition who investigates whose pronouns are also she, her. Did I nail it that time? I did. Keep that in. You did! Yeah! <laughs> you did yeah. nail it. You nailed it like she's not nailing the bang. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> not yet. Oh, wow, low cut. That was, that was... Oh my god. I nailed an intro and you punished me this way. Why would I ever succeed at anything ever again? <laughs> Alright, so... Now that we have introduced ourselves, which will probably be like three minutes in the edit, but has been seven minutes in the recording. <laughs> before we start each adventure, we start with a slice of life complication where each of our players is going to suggest a mundane thing that is going wrong in someone else's life. And before we begin, a reminder that this is open for everybody and you are all doing a camping trip. So if it's something like Sparky's TV doesn't work, we can actually, actually we could make that work. But you get what I'm saying. Her house moves. So like, you know. It could just be there. How are you going to take it there, Sparky? You don't have a van. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Was that your entire plan? No. <laughs> I have a question for Kike. Oh, no. <laughs> what is the question? Is Kike good at identifying plants? No. Lovely. He's not a plant lover. He likes plants okay, but... Kike walked through the ghost equivalent of poison ivy. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? Kike. Deadly nightshade. <laughs> walked through deadly oh, nightshade. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, who's next? Hmm. I had one related to Sparky's band because I forgot she didn't have a band. So I'm going to change it to the camping doesn't have any outlets for electrical equipment. It's true, camping kiddos. I don't know why I had <laughs> Lucas Bang really angrily say that, but no, no electricity. Oh, there might be electricity. There's just not outlets specifically. <laughs> like, you don't know if there's electricity. Electricity, no outlets. <laughs> Did you forget something, Mr. Architect? 
I have a complication for Irene this fine evening. On the pre-camping checklist at the ranger station, Irene only got a 98.5% readiness. Minor points were lost for, like, slightly inappropriate equipment. Oh no! Like, these shoes, while they technically qualify, are not the ideal hiking boots we would like, or something like that, or this this bug spray is, um... It's not quite in the range, but we would we prefer here. We want to be, we want to be very careful for the the natural environments. I'm just she imagining would be poor so I- angry for the entire rest of the trip. I'm imagining Irene like overcompensating by bringing just a giant sack of every single tool that she can. <gasps> like I will have everything prepared. Here's a crowbar. Here's a hammer. They're not even camping related tools. All right, and then Hallie, what is your complication? Mine is for, actually, it could be anyone, but I imagine one of the children, likely Irene, because I think it will drive her particularly nuts, which is that um, the compass doesn't work, and so the direction of true north keeps changing. Oh my god. It would be so upsetting for her. If it's allowed, I wish to fuse my suggestion with Hallie's. Yeah. Like, that compass is the reason for the markdown. Yeah, I really like the Irene complications. <laughs> I feel like she, I mean, she did have one before, but I think that like, this would truly drive her, like, angry about it. I agree. And I want to see that. Yeah. I like the Irene ones or, like, no electricity. I'm sorry, electricity but no outlets. Yeah, electricity but no outlets. I'm fond of all of these, so I am okay with anything. Why don't we just do them all? Like, let's just, you know? We can just say, when we do facts <laughs> about the camp, that it has no outlets and that it is surrounded by deadly nightshade. I like that. All right. So, last month, last adventure, Kike and Irene teamed up to stop someone who had been stealing Necromon. It turns out that the thief was honestly some 30-year-old who just wanted someone to celebrate her birthday. Rhonda. And the true mastermind was Eduardo, also known as Eddie, one of the key clones. Meanwhile, Sparky and Hilda did some more investigation into the Rutabaga. Because... And into that blank, ripped-out page, Oset Scuba gave to Lucas Bang to give to Sparky to give to Hilda. To give to Booker, maybe? They have found out that the Rutabaga are all being sold to Sammy Esther of Scuba Corps, and they haven't found out anything about the page, although it is notable that Hilda did quietly and without Sparky's knowledge steal the blank page from her for her own purposes. It was just, Sparky took it from Hilda, so Hilda took it back. I gave it back. Oh, I didn't, I guess. We had to steal it. You didn't. Because I stole it back. back. Look. Yeah, yeah, all right, you've got a point. This is, this is, this is Sparky's influence on Hilda, being underhanded instead of just honest about your feelings. It's a good life skill, (laughs) some would say. The real, the real big reveal is that, what was it, Out of Time? Is that the name of the short? Out of Time. Out of Time. The only way I remember it is remembering it's a deaf pun. <laughs> but Out of Time is owned by Big Jake Hell. Yeah. Owned by Big Jake Hell, a very friendly southern demon man <laughs> who also owns a place called Hellish Impound and agreed to give Sparky the information about Scuba Corps, provided she let him take in the van for basic repairs. They're apparently taking a month of time. I imagine they were not actually very basic because of how badly Sparky has run the car into the ground. Yeah, I'm imagining Big Jake Hell is just racking up a giant list of costs for repairing your car, but he's just sitting there like, Somehow by repairing it a little bit, I have made the car a bigger hazard on the roads, so we've got to fully repair this thing. Like, at least when you couldn't go in reverse, you couldn't accidentally gun it in reverse. Because it turns out when you could go in reverse, it was zero to 60. That sounds like a benefit to me. Yeah, and that's why Big Jake Hell is the one fixing it before he gives it back to you. Well, he's not getting paid, so hope he's happy. But since that last adventure, what has everybody been up to? 
Well, since my van's been gone, Sparky has gotten very into uh, rollerblading around town. Not roller skating, rollerblading, because that's for grown-ups <laughs> when it's just the one line of wheels. I found them in the junkyard in which I live, and they are mine now because they are my only source of transportation. So when I go grocery shopping, I've got a little belt and I hook up like a little movable cart to the belt and then I skate and the cart's behind me and it's really fun. And I've been using that for all my shopping and whatnot. I'm just imagining that Sparky is actually enjoying this so much more than the van, but she refuses to admit it. It's, um, it's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, the van was her thing. The van was her baby. But yes. But yes. I'm trying to think of another reason, but no, but it's really just yes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying, she's trying to think of ways to get into, um, Scoop Accord to follow up with this Sammy Esther thing. Because she found out Sammy Esther was of Scoop Accord, or did we just find out it was Sammy Esther and we happen to know he's with Scoop Accord? out of character. So it's it's torn. Okay. No one has ever explicitly said it, but mm-hmm. Sammy Esther was the person who replaced Lucas Bang as the MC for Hilda and Irene's tag team duel. Okay. And Lucas Bang did say that Oset chose his replacement. So yeah, actually roll me roll me to understand. To understand. I want I want to see how this investigation goes with him. Which stat is understand? Uh books. Haha! I have a plus three in books today, suckers. Wow, that fucking sucks. I got an eight. I got a fucking eight with my plus three. <laughs> I mean, you turned a failure into a mixed success. I suppose I did. I'm going to say by searching Sammy Esther, you do find a handful of Sammies, and one of them happens to be someone talking about this guy who emceed a duel alongside Chaz Casey. Okay. He's after call Chaz. <laughs> So Hilda has spent the last couple of weeks going down the rabbit hole of a new hyperfixation. She sprang bored from trying to look up how necro cards work to looking up the history of like how necro cards were made to looking up the history of like Kike's old company that used to make necro cards oh. to the history of chemical processes and research. Oh yes. And is now deep into like 17th century scientists and trivia about their lives and also uh, alchemy. Alchemy. Mm-hmm. Love that. Irene also did research for a while because she convinced herself that because she's the best at everything, she would also be the best at pranking and that she was going to get revenge on Hilda for all of Hilda's completely harmless, lighthearted <laughs> pranks. I don't even think Hilda's actually pranked Irene very much. No, but then she realized she wasn't good at it and quietly stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and told no one so that no one could prove, yes. hey, you're not very good at this, the one at this one thing. Booker may or may not have stolen one of her books about it. Yeah, I, I to eat in the corner. I like to believe that half of the pranks recently, because Hilda's you know been so focused on this deep dive rabbit hole that most of the pranks have just been Booker being an asshole <laughs> secretly behind the scenes. That's fair. Kike is you know a regular old fashioned man, so he doesn't have a lot of new things that happened in this month, <laughs> other than providing Hilda with books and any info that she might want about chemistry and history of chemistry and even alchemy because he may or may not have been around when alchemy (laughs) was a thing. (laughs) Nobody knows. I'm not gonna confirm nor deny and neither will he. So One of my first thoughts was Kike's got some hot goss. Been like, oh, that guy, real asshole. (laughs) I mean, he would also say that too. Like if he speaks about these old chemists, he will always speak of them as if he knew them personally. But who knows, maybe he just speaks like that or maybe he knew them. (laughs) It's true. Additionally, in the past month, the Necromon tournament has been going on. How have have Hilda and Irene been doing in the tournament? Winning everything. (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure we've been crushing it lately. Have you been crushing it as much as I have been crushing it? Because I think maybe not. (laughs) Well, it sounds like there's only one way to settle that. (laughs) Yeah, so you've been crushing it. You have been defeating a handful of single-off gimmicky trainers. (laughs) You've encountered Rasputin at least two more times, both of them (laughs) under the disguise of a different Romanov child. But you have been progressing, and other members of your dueling club have been struggling a bit more. 
even Walnut, who had been one of the highest members in the class, probably third best performance-wise behind you and Irene, has been dropping off and losing more as well. Or Joey Wheeler, third place yet again. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't say that. But Day hasn't been letting it get Dame down, and you've been noticing as Walnut has been kind of falling behind even more Hilda that Day has been really being like, let's dual practice some more. Let's let's do it. Let's let's rival it up, rival, which is just their way of saying I want to practice. And so while spirits still seem high, the Necromon Dueling Club eventually decided, you know what? We're getting further in the tournament. Maybe it's time for us to have just a nice little retreat, not focused on dueling. This is where we find all of you right now. It is currently a bit chillier than usually is in the valley because you are higher up on the mountains. Instead of just the desert and the heat, you now actually have a couple of trees. And you can even see probably a couple miles up, there's a bit of snow. The four of you are walking up, you're making your way to camp. Right now it is Hilda, Irene, and everybody from sixth grade and higher including Walnut, and even though Freddy isn't part of the group, he's just there. No one can say no to Freddy. In addition to this half, the older half of the Necronomon Dueling Club, you have got your only two chaperones. Only two? There are going to be some folks at the camp as well, but for chaperones that came from home, somehow (laughs) we only ended up with Sparky and Kike. Frankly, I can't believe Sparky was even approved to be like a like a a person. Same. Yeah. So how did this come to be? I feel like this was probably Alina. Probably like Sparky. This would be so good for you. I have an opening at this camp that I'm involved in for some reason because I'm involved in literally every event that happens in this godforsaken town. Oh, oh, you don't know how she's involved with that camp. Don't say that. Yulia just got a big smile in the corner when she realized that when you were talking to Alina. So Sparky was pretty not okay with going. And then Alina was like, oh, well, Luke is banging a chaperoning also. And Sparky was like, I'll fucking do it. So here (laughs) she is with all these kids she doesn't like except for one. (laughs) So for me, there's, there's two possibilities. Is it all the grades? So like, is Yunwen going to be there or not? It is specifically sixth grade and higher. Okay. Ariel is actually leading the part of the camp for the younger kids, and they're going off someplace else to like this littler kid friendly camp. Okay, then I have another another suggestion. I think he accidentally got roped into that. Like he probably went to the school at the wrong time to <laughs> look for Hilda trying to give her another ancient alchemy book for her to peruse. And so he was just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for this kid, whatever. And they were like trying to find another chaperone. And then it was like, perfect. We, we need somebody for this specific grade. You're looking for a kid of this one grade. So come on in. And he just couldn't at that point say no, because it was just too fast for him to register what was happening. He still has the book. He hasn't been able to give it to Hilda yet. <laughs> My thought was you run into like Mr. Jimothy, who's just like, yeah, this is great. We need another person for the school tour. I can't do it, even though I'm the head of the club or whatever. I I forgot what he sounds like. Yes, I I love it. I adore it. Yeah. So this is where you all are. A gaggle of teenagers, a woman who wishes she still was one and a skeleton. And you're currently climbing the rest of the way up to camp. If... I assume like they're in a line, Kike would go to the opposite side of where Sparky is. Like, you know, you should you should take that side. I will take the front. And that is the way that this works. And hopefully Hilda is on the front so he can give her the book. Whoa, 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 if we're splitting sides, I'm taking the side with Hilda on it. What what do you mean taking this? Hilda's my protege. You know, there's plenty of times for me to give Hilda this book. It's okay. I am not fighting battles in this manner. Wow. We're somehow in the same location at the same time. It's not ideal whatsoever. But, you know, 
I pick and choose my battles and this is not one of them. Yeah. And I'm gonna go to the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, where would Hilda and Irene be? Because I think we all know where Irene would be in the line. Well, would she? Would she not be line leader? She would want to be line leader, but if we're hiking, um, she would be slowly trailing further and further oh, behind. No. And then insisting that she was just making sure that none of the smaller children felt upset by being the last. It's actually even better than line leader. Hilda would have started in the middle of the pack, but not, like, actively following, like, a clear line, because these hikes immediately devolve past that. Yeah. But upon noticing Irene lagging, would have attempted to very casually lag behind, like, as if she was slowing the group down instead of, like, falling back to walk alongside Irene. Ah, another small child who I have helped to make feel more comfortable in- I'm 16 years old. Stop <laughs> acting like I'm real small. <laughs> but you are smaller than me, Irene says, a foot shorter. <laughs> With your little legs going so hard. Yeah, I appreciate you walking with me, Irene. I, it means a lot. Irene doesn't know how to respond to that. And so she just like, she turns slightly red because it was something that was actually nice, but also she's embarrassed that she doesn't know how to respond or can think of a snarky comeback because it was just genuinely really nice. Oh, are the two champions discussing strategy back here? Uh, Freddy, Freddy, we gotta figure out what they're saying. And suddenly, Walnut just slams to the back of the line alongside the rest of you as Freddy just casually walks over. Oh, are we having a little discussion of things? I thought we were not supposed to discuss dueling on this trip. Well, that's how the champions get ahead. They keep on going. Regardless, they keep on doing the dueling. Actually, we were walking in very solemn and mature silence. But you guys can join us if you want. Uh, silent and mature silence? Yeah, we can, we can do that. Irene turns wide-eyed. Walnut is just stare down slapping Walnut. their leg in like twitchy energy. I mean, if you want to, if you want to talk about Necromon Walnut, I'm happy to hear about Necromon. Oh, thank goodness! I just, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about Otakoba and trying to figure out how to maximize its strategy. Now, Freddie gave me a couple of ideas. I mean, Freddie's the one who gave me Otakoba after all, because you know, Otakoba is more of a support Necromon, and I'm just used to the big, strong ones. So, I did. I found Odakova. Where did I find Odakova? And so, yeah, the two of them start going off as Kike and Sparky. You notice the line, which was like going back and forth, is now suddenly shifting just ever so subtly into a horizontal line as everyone marches side by side in this back row. Oh god, oh this is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna be We're just a clump on the trail. <laughs> Alright kids, we're cliffside, we're cliffside. You gotta go you gotta go more or less single file here. Uh, the thing is, Kiki is also just paying attention to the front back of the line. He just let Sparky handle the back. Kiki's trailblazing. There's always the couple of kids who are just speeding ahead of everyone else. Oh yeah, you gotta rein them back a little bit. For sure. Alright, Sparky, roll me convince somebody. I want you to do books, since you're trying to convince them with facts and logic. That being, if you get too close to Cliff, you fall and that bad. Falling is bad, kids. Nice. Yeah, the kids start slowly moving back to single file. I am so good at camp counseling. Kike, you see how I got this line straightened out back here? I'm sorry, Sparky. I can't hear you over how good I am at figuring out where the camp <laughs> is and leading the kids along while not letting them stray too far from the pack. Well, you're a really bad liar, Kike. That is factually not true. <laughs> At the point that Sparky's like, look at how good I'm doing. Irene immediately trips. 
God. Just right down on the ground. What a flex. What? A, yeah, what a fucking flex. Hilda uh, understands none of us and is just like, oh my gosh, are, are you okay, Irene? Irene pops back up. Yes, I am fine. It was a ruse. <laughs> uh, oh. Oh? Uh, who, who, who are we tricking? Well, I have read that in the wild, sometimes animals will go for the weakest prey. And so if they think I am the weakest prey, then I can surprise them with my incredible skills and... Therefore, this is the best way for me to metaphorically lead the line. Mm. Oh, uh, mm. And as you say that, Irene, in between some of the trees, you could swear you see the shadow of a figure for a second. Do not despair, children. I will protect you. No one listens, and when you look again, the creature is gone. <laughs> Hilda, looking concerned and confused, just like, oh, okay, Irene, um, but we should, we should probably not deceptively fall next to this cliff. Ah, uh, yes, that is a fair point, and that is what I would also think if I were not privy to the internal workings of a nature genius. The internal workings are of me. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, so you all keep on walking until you find yourself in front of a lovingly painted sign that says Camp Lagoon. <laughs> well, hello there, campers from the VPS Necromon Dueling Club. How is everybody doing today? Uh, do doing good. Well, I am doing well. All right! And in front of you, you all see a man. Now, this is a man some of you are familiar with, some very small, some in much more detail. This man is a classy cowboy with a hint of rock star, wearing a brown outfit and golden trim. He is Chaz Casey from Scorpion Radio, and also owner of Camp Lagoon. And over the course of this weekend, I and my good assistant, who some of you may know, a wink, and he does in fact narrate the wink, <laughs> are going to teach you all about the wonders of nature with Necromon. Woo! Hilda does polite applause and just enough excitement to let everyone know that she is interested. <laughs> Irene does a golf clap. <laughs> All right, all right, now everybody, get on in. If you need any help with anything, be sure to ask me or ask my assistant over there. Let's give him a welcome. All right, Mr. Bandit, if anybody needs your assistant, get on over here. And you can see sporting a similar cowboy outfit, not his bandit outfit, but instead one that is just a much more casual cowboy outfit. You can see Lucas Bang sheepishly comes up and is like, "Yeah, kids, if you need uh if you need anything, uh just feel free to uh to ask me." And Chaz Casey and Lucas Bang the aggressive bandit come down to grab some of your supplies. Uh Sparky was not aware this was Chaz Casey's camp and I assume Alina was and this was kept from Sparky. Is that correct? Oh, that is 100% correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so Sparky's just pinching the bridge of her nose. She's unhappy with this development. Yeah, and in fact, as you're all getting in, Chaz looks at you. No. And he just winks. So Chaz Casey, in addition to being a member of Pickle, is actually your oldest friend from Pickle. Yep. You and Chaz met in elementary school at Wibbledet Academy School for Prim and Prodigious Young Ladies, a name that turned out to be woefully inaccurate for both of you. You both really connected really hard in elementary school, and you still remained friends as you got older, although you ended up getting some separate friend groups and reconnecting again in high school. Chaz is actually the one who introduced you to Lucas Bang, because Chaz and Lucas are thick as thieves. BFFs. Love that for, unironically as Hallie I do. <laughs> Sparky's just mad about a lot of things. 
since then, Chaz Casey, who we have seen before, is known for being The Valley's premier radio host. He is the head of Scorpion Radio, and he also was one of the two MCs for Hilda and Irene's tag team duel a couple months ago. But today, he is owner and host at Camp Lagoon. In response to his wink, Sparky just makes a face that I just made that isn't going to be visible to the to the listeners, but it's like a it's like a hmm. <laughs> it's like a hmm. It's like a hmm. <laughs> she squints her eyes and sticks out her tongue a little bit and like <clears throat> that's the face. He laughs and smiles and does a little playful like sticking out his tongue back and there's just a little sparkle from his teeth as he smiles. God damn it, Chaz. <laughs> All right. Fine, fine. You win this round, Chaz. I have the least beef with you anyway. She narrates in her head. Wow. I am glad to see that you are continuing to succeed, Irene says, popping up at Sparky's elbows. I'm sorry. What was that? I'm just glad that your life is going so well. Why why is that sarcastic? How come you don't how come you don't actually think my life is going well? I can read sarcasm, kid. It was just the the face exchange was sad. <laughs> also, you have not paid me back. <laughs> Well, hey there, campers, and welcome to the announcement break. I got a couple of stuff for you today, but before I get started, I wanted to quickly refresh everyone on the reference that was made with the money joke, because it comes up a few more times. Irene asking for money calls back to when she lent Sparky money back during Bang Bang, the movie theater episode in order to get into the movie. This reference was an old and small enough one that I figured it was worth mentioning since at the beginning of each adventure we don't do previously on segments. Which, speaking of, I'm still kind of deciding whether or not I want to add them once this first arc, the Necromon Championship arc, ends because we're starting to make more and more references. I'm thinking I'm going to do it, but uh, if you have any thoughts, feel free to let us know. Alright, so the first thing I gotta mention to you today is something I mentioned the past couple of weeks. We are coming up on our five-year anniversary this Sunday, Sunday, September 25th at 7 p.m. Central U.S. time. I and other members of the cast, hopefully all of them, but we're kind of playing fast and loose with it, are going to be doing a five-year anniversary stream over at twitch.tv slash questfriends where we're just going to play a bunch of fun games together for you all to enjoy. So we'll probably do some Quiplash, we might do some code names, we might play some Channel A, or maybe even design a new shirt using TKO. We're really, again, it's supposed to be casual and fun, just a celebration of half a decade of Quest Friends. So if you'd like to join us, again, we are streaming that on September 25th at 7pm Central Time at twitch.tv slash questfriends. In addition to that, I want to talk to you all about another show today called Eidolon Playtest. Eidolon Playtest is an actual play podcast playtesting a game created by two of its cast members. The game is called Eidolon Become Your Best Self, and it's inspired by anime like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and JRPGs like the Persona series, which is one that is near and dear to me and all of the cast members' hearts. If you're missing the more over-the-top, exciting anime power stuff that we had in our first campaign, Eidolon is exactly the kind of game you want to check out, and so is the show. So let's talk a bit more about Eidolon Playtest. Throughout the summer, they've released a number of short-form minisodes to give new listeners, like yourselves, good jumping-on points. In particular, they wanted me to point out Eidolon Daft and Eidolon Giants as really good places to start. That being said, if you want something a bit more long form, you can check out their 100 episode epic Eidolon Pop Rock, which consisted of two separate parties fighting against angels, devils, and President Dracula himself as they struggled to steal control of reality away from the rich and the powerful. Or, if you'd like something new, on October 3rd, 
The show will be starting its next season, which consists of two campaigns, Eidolon Disco, and, and this is the one I'm really excited for, Eidolon Ska. Both games are about teenagers exploring the mystical secrets of their small hometown, with Disco taking place in 1979 and Ska taking place in 1999. You can find Eidolon Playtest at audioentropy.com, which is in the description, or you can just search Eidolon Playtest, that is E-I-D-O-L-O-N, and then Playtest on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to this show. All right, that's all I've got for you today. Our next episode, Creature from the Camp Lagoon, part two, will be releasing on Monday, October 3rd. But as always, if you enjoy the show and you want a little bit more content before then, you can check out patreon.com slash questfriends. I'll see you there. go into what you're going to do at Camp Lagoon, I would like everyone to give me one detail about the camp. I'm going to start with some of the things we know. It is owned by Chaz Casey. It is up in the mountains. It has electricity, but no outlets. And it is surrounded by deadly nightshade. The, the name of the camp has Lagoon in it, right? It is Camp Lagoon, yes. It is Camp Lagoon. Well, I will say that there may have been a lagoon at some point, it's unclear, but right now, there is no lagoon. There's like a big hole, but it's all muddy and dried up. Damn it! Maybe that was the lagoon, and that's why it's called Camp Lagoon. But it doesn't actually have a lagoon, which is misleading, currently. My detail is that the main campers are to set up their tents in a circle around the main camp-like clearing area. So like the deadly nightshade is the ring beyond the tents. And then the chaperones have a little camping square that's off to the side for setting up their tents. Kike would set his camp close to all of the campers so that he's not in the same square as Sparky. And Chaz loves that. When he sees you put down your tent, he actually walks up and he says, I am, I'm loving your initiative, man. I really appreciate your concern over these kids, you know? Yeah, I mean, he is concerned about the kids. Yeah, but it, he you also... know, it just, it means a lot. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on a performance for these kids, but like, it means a lot to know that they have people here who care about them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do care for these kids, and I would rather be with them than in that square over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I care about those kids. Yeah, uh, wh how, why, um, yeah, what, ki what kids bring you here? So I, I know, I, I believe two of the kids. I know Miss uh, Irene over there. Great name, by the way. And I know Miss Hilda as well. But uh, other than that, you know, I just like camping, so... Miss Irene and Miss Hilda, you say? Yeah. They've been doing, they've been doing great. And he seems to have a moment of realization. And he just does one of those, like, friendly cowboy pat on the back things. And he says, you know, I'm glad Sparky's making good new friends. Oh, fuck. And then he walks off. I never said Sparky. When I, I said two names. <laughs> and I never said that name. He's gonna just shout at Chaz as he leaves. Okay, what are the other two details? Well, mine was gonna be boats, but then Ari was like, <laughs> there's no lagoon. There could still be boats. There can still be boats. Yeah. I would like to I was gonna say, I would like there to still be boats for this waterless camp. There are some canoes, there are some paddle boats. There they are, nearby. There they are, for all your non-aquatic travel needs. All right, and then Emily. Camp Lagoon boasts five or more types of spiders. <laughs> That's more than any other spiders. <laughs> Children's camp spiders in the whole valley. Jesus Christ. <laughs> five or more types of necro spiders, which is why we thought you kids would particularly love it because while our lagoon may be dead, we are actually near the site of a necromon oasis. 
Necromon oases are terms for where more Necromon tend to appear. So Necromon tend to appear at these points and then filter out to the rest of nature. So we thought this was a great opportunity for you to kind of see all of the Necromon, most of which are spiders. <laughs> Almost all of which are spiders, which is probably why Maybelline didn't want to buy this place. But they are exciting spiders. Yeah, so what are, what kind of camp activities are we doing? Uh, Hilda is setting up a tent. She's doing it very, very correctly because Irene is going to be watching and she needs to be impressive. And as a result, she indeed has a mallet for hammering in the stakes, which fun fact, I didn't have on my recent camping trip. Oh, that's the thing you should have. <laughs> yeah. Or you can grab rocks too. That's what yeah. Kike would say to people that don't bring that. So a mallet for hammering in stakes, like she's read the instructions already of how to set up this tent. Like she is prepared. Oh, that would have been a really good complication now that I think of it. Like prepared for the wrong kind of tent. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm doing it to myself anyway. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm taking the initiative. Hilda has prepared so long to make sure that she knows exactly how to set up the tent, but she got assigned a different tent. She has no idea how this specific tent works. And initially, at least, she is too afraid to ask. Well, it ties with what I was going to do, because Kike was going to be just walking around, helping kids, setting up their tents and figuring out, because fun fact, he's something of a Boy Scout himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know he's good at knots. We've learned that for sure. It's true. And I also, I mean, I guess I want to use my adapt thing to say that my skill for this adventure is just camping and all of that stuff. Camping. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, camping. Camping. You are master camper. Master camper. And so when noticing that Hilda doesn't know how to set the specific tent, he would absolutely just help her because he, he brought all of the necessary extra equipment for any kids in need. Thank you, Mr. Kanaka. Uh, yeah, no no problem, kid. This happens all the time, you know? Is, is this your first camping trip? Well, not my first camping trip, but uh, first one here at this school with these people. Ah. All the others were with, with my moms. Well, uh, you know, if you need anything, you can always come and ask me. By the way, speaking of needing things... I have the book that I told you, that about uh, alchemists oh. of the 17th century and before. Yes, excellent. I'm really excited. I, I really want to read up about Flick. He's, he's going to like groan at that, like, ah, Flick. More like Schmick, he's going to say under his breath, but then he's going to like be like, oh, yeah, 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 he was a cool guy. Sometimes terrible at poker, I've heard. Mm -hmm. Hilda is listening in rapt attention. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sparky, Chaz has directed you to help some of the children and conveniently... Damn it! Actually, roll me a, a flat d6. A flat d6? Just one? Mm-hmm. Six! Okay, you get to choose whether you were directed to Walnut and Freddy or to Irene. Is Irene struggling to put up her tent? It is deceptively correct. What? Don't worry about it. It looks like it's set up, right? Um, I I want inter-party interaction, so I'm gonna go for Irene. And, um... Oh, are you having trouble with your tent, dear? Irene stares at you. So you don't, you don't need help, then? I do not need help. If you need the correct word to clarify, I am doing it perfectly. Out of curiosity, does her tent look comparable to other kids' tents who are clearly doing it correctly? It looks, as Emily said, deceptively perfectly done. Okay, so I'm deciding whether Sparky wants to prove this isn't a good tent by messing with the tent somehow, <laughs> but I don't think she would go that far. So in response to Irene saying the tent looks perfect, Sparky will say, mm -hmm. is that what Elliot would say about it? Irene looks like you could not have possibly said anything more offensive. <laughs> Good. <laughs> e e excuse me? Yeah, yeah, I figured out your, your brother and sister. Um, that's because I'm a really good adult investigative reporter. Well, it's not like we hide it. And you know what? Actually, a lot of your attitude makes a lot of sense. Um, excuse me? No? The answer to that is no, we do not have the same attitude because 
I am a decent human being and not the worst. Oh no, you, you misunderstand me. It's not really hard to be better than Elliot, which I'm not saying you aren't. You're better than Elliot. Thank you, yes. But what I'm saying is, um, you remember when we were in that escape room testing thing? Yes. And, um, I- Obviously. Yes, obviously. I remember assessing that you were trying a little hard, and what I'm saying, because I'm an adult and capable of mature thoughts and emotions, is that I understand where you're coming from, as your brother sucks. Thank you. This heightens my opinion of you slightly to know that you also dislike my brother greatly. So, um, what if, listen, we start over, over our mutual dislike of your brother? I will accept this. However, that was also all of my allowance. So I would like the $5 back. Fine. Do I have $5 on me? I don't, I genuinely don't know. That sounds like a thing that requires AP. <sighs> Under two conditions, either one, you have one AP, or two, you ask another counselor for it. Oh, no. Because I'm sure Kike has $5. Would you rather be in debt to Kike or Irene? Well, okay, actually, you know what? You know what? Because it's way more interesting to play this out and pay this back from a different perspective. I'm not going to use my AP, and I'm going to... I'll get you your $5. You don't need allowance here, because everything is covered through the field trip fee or whatever it is you kids paid. So I will, I will, I will get you your $5. But for now, the only thing I have to offer is to help with this tent because that's what Shaz told me to do and I can't think of a good reason for me not to do it. Thank you, but I did it correctly. Okay, so that's, that's, um, that's, again, where Elliot comes in. You don't have to, you don't have to, um... I followed the instructions. Did this come with instructions? Yes, they were in German, so I understood <laughs> part of them. God. However, I followed the pictures because I am not a small child and can do that. And Kike, that's when you notice that one of the tents, completely two-dimensional. <laughs> if you looked at it from one angle, it looked like it was perfectly set up. But looking at it from any other angle, there's nothing behind it. It looks like a cardboard cutout. Kike is coming to the rescue there. <laughs> he was like popping from the other side of the two-dimensional tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Irene and Sparky, you just see Kike's head pop up like a fucking jump scare from the other side of the tent. Sparky, ah! Jumps back a little bit. Kike getting drop on me for once. So uh, you, you finish setting up, and by the time you're done, the, the sun starts to set. This was really the first kind of setup day. And then as Chaz explains, tomorrow you're really going to go out and you're going to see everything. And remember, you know, don't, do not leave at night because of the deadly nightshade. Does it only affect people at night? Is that why not going at night for the nightshade? Like, if this nightshade is dangerous, should we just tell the kids not to go on that particular path at all times of the day instead? Chaz snaps and points to you and says, Sir, you could just do this camp by yourself. Did you know that? Yes, as my good friend Aurelio Enrique Ueso Kanaka. Please call me Mr. Kanaka, sir. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. As, as my good friend Mr. Kanaka said... Sorry, Dr. Kanaka for you. <laughs> as my good friend Dr. Kanaka said here, deadly nightshade only affects you at night. So... You really don't want to leave because it itches like hell, all right? Oh, like heck. Oh, wait, no, you're you're all adolescents and older. Like hell. <laughs> all right, so we have got our sandwiches. We have got our s'mores. And we're going to have just some time relaxing, listening to the beautiful sounds of nature. And we're all going to get well rested for an exciting day tomorrow. Can we tell scary stories around the campfire while we make, like, snacks like marshmallows? Scary stories? And next to him, Lucas bang, uh, this is scary stories? Why, that sounds like a fantastic, uh, idea. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Lucas is, I'm, I'm gonna go check the, uh, adults' tents, make sure they're set up. Wow, that sounds like a two-person job. I'll come with you. All right, and Lucas and Sparky leave while the rest of you get around to tell scary stories. 
Kike would stay fondly because he would like to do his trick that used to scare Ariel at some point, but it still scares some of his kiddos sometimes, which is he will just take his head, put a flashlight underneath it, and like start like telling the scary stories that way. Ah, who is ready for some horror kids <laughs> as he's doing that with the flashlight underneath his disembodied head. I am not afraid. <laughs> ah, this might change as the night progresses. <laughs> ah, and then he's going to sit around like a, he thinks that's cool. He might have been cool at some point. The only person who loves how into this Kike is more than me is Chaz Casey. <laughs> Chaz, Casey, new best friend of Kike. <laughs> and the other kids, well, I guess Chaz isn't a kid, but also, yeah, the other kids really excited about this as well. Even the teens were like, that's so dorky. Do it again. <laughs> All right, do we uh, do we want to tell some scary stories? You fucking bet I do. I brought it up for a reason. I have a single word scary story. Taxes! <laughs> <laughs> The crickets as the kids sit there. Is that a necromon? You will find out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you tell scary stories. Walnut's scary story is about a necromon trainer who got defeated in combat and couldn't handle it well. So this trainer who lost cursed the person who beat them with a luck dragon that basically sucked all of the luck out of somebody else and then stole its target soul. <laughs> and then as the night goes on, we get to... Have you ever heard the story of the Shrieking Eels? They say once every ten years, the little Ruips travel to the valley to make their home. I bet you can even hear them now out in the woods. And for dramatic effect, some Luller Whip necromons do their distinctive Whip-a-wheel, whip-a-wheel, whip-a-wheel. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yep, there they are out there now. So it's about that time again. Long, long time ago, way up on the edge of a valley, there was a drying, dead old pond or lagoon. Not very different from this one. A bunch of kids decided to go up there, you know, as a dare to see if they could find out who would reach the bottom. Because, supposedly, travelers in the valley had dropped some treasures in there when they were exploring the lake, and it sank down never to be seen again. When they got there, there wasn't a whole lot of water, so they thought, oh, we can make it down. And they kept going deeper and deeper out there. But something was a little bit off. There was something watching them from the side of the woods. One of the kids saw big glowing eyes. From what? They couldn't tell. They were just out there, and then gone the next minute. And then another kid, while they were wading in through the mud, heard something else underneath. A little... Like something moving around under the mud at the bottom of the lagoon. And then finally the last kid saw something down there, under the water. A little dancing light, sparkling down where nothing else should be shining. But they kept going anyway. And as they reached the bottom, they found the old trunk. One of the kids reached down to grab it and instead felt something grab them. The other kids ran away. They left their friend and ran screaming back up into the woods. But it was a little too late for that because as they got out, they could see it rising from the mud. At first, it looked like a tall adult but it was actually a mess of eels swarming from every arm, every limb, reaching out, grabbing to drag them down into the mud. None of them ever returned. And so, to this day, they say that every 10 years, the eels come back, looking for more kids to devour and keep their treasure safe. That is Hilda's story. Tom, you do not know how accidentally happy you have made me. I... <laughs> I did that quite on purpose. I was throwing you an easy ball. Well, you threw me quite a different ball than you thought you threw me. Well, good. <laughs> All right. Um, What's the reception to Hilda's story? How how impressed are the teens with this? Uh, roll me convince somebody with 
I'd say pretty much any stat can apply because heart, you know, you're trying to appeal to their emotions or or slick. I you're feel telling, like slick because you're, you're trying to be a story. cool to mm, these teens. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You did mention the teens specifically. Yeah. It requires like a lot of specific storytelling flair. So yeah, I'll roll with slick. Fuck. That's a five. Okay, wait. I oh so I forgot that Booker existed for like the entire first part of the episode. But once the story's over, after like a brief pause, can Booker launch himself out from behind Hilda in a flutter of pages? Holy shit. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and a very loud like at the crescendo of the story of like reached out and grabbed them booker just suddenly pounces on someone amazing and then ari did you want to do something well would booker's move help with this role because if it does then i don't but if it doesn't are you going to use your dice roll to substitute maybe (laughs) how would you want to use your loaded dice we could say kike and booker in tandem somehow do something to help enhance this story Well, I mean, Kike has been adding flair to the stories because he likes enhancing stories like this. So he would go into the muddy lake and do the final thing when Hilda's like, and then it raced and it looked like an adult. Or like, if not, he would just like raise himself up from behind Hilda (gasps) all muddy. And then Booker would then at the end be like, with his two little like (laughs) stalk eyes that look like eels and just go like, holy shit. (laughs) Holy shit. This is incredible. (laughs) So we uh, cut to Sparky and Lucas Bang. And I don't normally like to describe shots, but we just see a shot of them working on a tent as behind them, a gaggle of teens just run screaming across the frame, chased by a Kike covered in the slime. They're probably fine. (laughs) Kike's gonna extend a hand to high five Hilda and be like, and this is how scary stories are told. Hilda is in awe of this master-level pranking. By the way, you called me Mr. Kanaka earlier, but I think you earned the right to call me Kike. Aww. All right, Sparky. Lucas is there setting things up, and he is struggling. In fact, he's got out a couple of his Necromon. (laughs) He's got his Pyro Ribbit, which is the big frog in the tutu that's just kind of like trying to use its tongue to pull things up. He's got the Wardlet, which was from your movie adventure. He ended up adopting that, and that's taken on the form of another Lucas Bang and is trying to like help him up, but is just as awkward as he is. Still no good at putting together a tent, I see. And um, I don't suppose my necromouse would be any use to putting up a tent. You know, what calls for put up tent mouse? I feel like a necromouse would be good at put- helping, like, snap things. This could work. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. You know, um, I have a necromon now. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a, um, it's a rat mouse. It's a mouse. I can get it out of the card by, um, by, um... Sparky doesn't know how to do the card thing, even though she's probably seen Hilda do it enough times for her to know, so she, uh... I throw it to the ground. Does that work? <laughs> With two fingers. It gets stuck under the carpet. Fuck! Or not the under carpet. the carpet, under the tent. Okay. Astroturfed all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucas is like, oh, uh, no, it's, uh... And he reaches under and he grabs the card. He says, it's not about how you do it. It's all about the connection. You're basically asking a friend to arrive in a time of need. Oh, so it's just hoping it'll show up then. Well, it's... When you have friends you can really trust, it's not hope, it's faith. And he hands the card over to you. Uh-huh. I take it, I take it back, and thinking of all the times that she 
wanted to get the gang back together to do exactly what the gang used to do in high school, you know, not like not like the book club socials that Alina invites her to all the time and the other like normal things that the other friends who have gotten on with their lives are doing. She thinks of all the times she's been betrayed by things not being exactly the way they were in high school and how her friends haven't actually been there for her while she tries to do the mouse again. But um, while she is trying to do the little throw again, I kind of think faith and hope are the same thing, but okay, whatever you say. And so you try it again? Yeah, I try it again. Nothing comes out. Cool. <laughs> that was useless. Okay. Um. Well, difference is small, but... And he looks wistfully over at the kids, who are still terrified of Kike, <laughs> but slowly coming back. Well, the, the little things matter. When you hope... You know there's a chance you're wrong. There's that nagging doubt, which can be worse than any fear. When you have faith in something, you truly and fundamentally to your core believe it will happen. Sounds like a technicality, but okay. The mouse goes back into the pocket. Sparky stretches out her hands and is like, well, since um, it's the mouse's fault for not coming out of the card, Let's give this another go. And, you know, while we're at it, I've been meaning to ask you, um, Chaz, uh, didn't he, didn't he co-host something with, what was his name? Sammy Esther? Oh, yeah, uh, Sammy? Yeah. Speaking of, uh, hope and faith, <laughs> Mr. Scuba doesn't seem to hope for many people, but, uh, oh, he puts all his faith in Sammy. He's a real nice guy. Chaz said he was about as awkward as I would be up there, honestly, so... I guess Mr. Scuba got a good replacement for me. Oh, so you were supposed to narrate the thing with Chaz, and then Sammy replaced you? Yeah, because we had the thing that we did on a specific date. Oh, the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do a tournament. It's all right if you forgot. No, I I understand. Am I Hallie actually forgetting something? Or Wasn't is that this... when you were on your date together? Like, Was it? He dropped out of the thing to go on a date with you, the thing you did together. Oh, he did that to go on the date? I thought he just did that afterwards. No, no, those were simultaneous. We were having the duel with Chaz and, and Sammy while you were... Motherfucker. He did the introduction and then went to you, but he was supposed to do the whole damn I thing. I thought it was different. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna roll with this because it's interesting. And I shot myself in the foot. So we're gonna go ahead and keep that. And Sparky will, oh my God, you left that for the day? I thought you just did it after. I mean, I was there for a little bit, but you, you they would have preferred I was there the whole time. So. Wait, so, you, so, you, so you didn't do the narration to come on a date with me? To come on a what? Outing? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. To, I, do, I, to you know, do the outing together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To do the outing, you know, I didn't, I just, I, I didn't expect you to do, to do it. I just thought it was different is all. Uh, I didn't realize, I didn't intend to um, take you away from anything. Was, was Maybelline upset? He was kind of like his cheeks were reddening. And then when he hears Maybelline, the rest of his face gets red. Great. But not quite in an embarrassed way this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm, I, I'm just glad you came. I hoped you would. To the outing or, or to here? I mean, to, to anything, really. What, what do you mean? Oh, just, uh, I, you know, I just hope, hoped you'd be here. You know, I hoped. You know, um, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. Uh, and, then, and then we'll finish putting the, the tent up together. Um, when Sparky walks off, she is going to stop by a tree in like the dark of the woods where she's alone. Nobody gets to see this. And she'll take out the necrocard and then to herself she'll be like, am I the mouse? They are doctors, so they're okay to say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I also couldn't say it because I would be another type of doctor 
probably by the time this is released, I think. Hey. That is true. Do we need do we need to introduce you differently? We might need to introduce you as doctor no. actually. August. Yeah, this will be in September. So we'll be a month late. Oh boy. I, I would be flailing at my new job when I listen to yes. this. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you fucking will. Yeah, so this is where you all are. A gaggle of teenagers. A woman who wishes she still was one and a skeleton. Oh, wishes she was still a teenager. Okay, I was like, no, she's still a woman. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's also <laughs> what I thought you said. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> It's not actually dangerous, but I just want to say that as they're evening out, I read trips forward slightly. Oh no. No. I was just hoping to scare Sparky not make you feel bad. You're gonna do both. Because Sparky <laughs> hates you like a lot, but she's not gonna let you like she's not gonna let this child struggling to keep up with everybody. I mean, I I think her natural instinct would be to help you out. What was what was the name of like the camera spiders from our non-recorded? Those ones were just little spiders called piters. All right. We know that they are poisonous but not venomous, so you're fine if you don't eat them. And they were like ripid or something like that for their voice. Ripid, ripid. Oh, redip. That was it. Redip, redip, redip. I just wanted to bring them back. I was real excited <laughs> when I heard we were bringing back some spiders. Yeah, you scare everyone. Uh, I would say the only person who is relatively unfazed is Freddy, because Freddy is an enigma who does not follow regular human conventions. But Freddy's just like, oh, that was scary. It, it, it definitely didn't work on Irene. It worked on Irene. Holy shit. Irene just doesn't run when she's scared. Irene's fight or flight response is just a fight response. <laughs> yeah, we then see Kike get fucking knocked over by Malaya. <laughs> and do you go down to work on it again? No, I just stand there <laughs> looking at my failure. Well, I'm going to punish it even more. He's going to wow. go down and he's going to say, well, uh, I'll try again. And he goes down and he sets his hand down on the tent to go grab it. And part of you wonders if you had gone down as well, would you have had a cute hand touching moment? But the thought is gone as he continues to work on the tent. No, it's not. It's not gone. That's going to haunt her the rest of this episode. <laughs> it's not me the rest of this episode. Fuck you. <laughs> And your, and your hands, hands, and your hands. <laughs> I'm not going to remember any of this session. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so far, it's just Irene bullshits, so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Emily, high on, high on fever, bullshitting as Irene. <laughs> Beautiful time. 